Uh, we had votes today to politicize the intelligence process, uh, to prohibit the FBI and the Department of Justice from expressing their concerns to our committee and to the House, uh, and to selectively release to the public only the majority's distorted memo. That's Adam Schiff. Even-handed as always. Co-chair of uh, the committee involved in all this stuff with the hashtag release the memo. She so got one side saying this is uh, this is very important. The American people need to know this is happening. You got Schiff and, and, and people on the Democrats' side saying that this is uh, putting the nation's security at risk to protect the president. So the spirit of this interview, uh, reflected in the uh, piece co-written by our uh, our next guest, is honest inquiry, trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Matt Zapatoski of the Washington Post joins us. Matt uh, co-wrote with Karen Demergian, Robert Costa, and Ellen Nakashima a, a piece entitled How a Classified Four-Page Russia Memo Triggered Political Firestorm. Matt, welcome. How are you, sir? Hey, great. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, listen, tip of the cap. Uh, I read the whole piece, and it is remarkably even-handed, which is refreshing in these wildly partisan days. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, yeah, so can uh, for folks who haven't been following it closely, can we just spend a minute explaining what is this memo as far as we can tell? What is it, what is it purported to be? Well, that's a great question, and the short uh, and maybe frustrating answer is it's hard to say. So this is a document that was written by staffers for Devin Nunes, who's the uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and it seems to be kind of the work product of his months-long investigation into some practices at the Justice Department and the FBI. What exactly it says, we don't know yet. It's possible that it could be public in the next five days. We have some hints about what it says, and broadly, it seems to raise questions about the FBI and the Justice Department's practices with getting these foreign intelligence surveillance court warrants, and it raises questions in particular about one on a former Trump campaign advisor, a guy named Carter Page. Um, It it gets into this dossier that uh, everybody has talked about in Washington for months now, and just as a general theme kind of raises questions about whether the FBI and the Justice Department acted appropriately. Now, is there concern that this four pages being released is giving away some secrets or just that you have to give away secrets to put the memo in context so people can understand it? Yeah, it's both of those things. There seems to be some concern from the FBI director and the Justice Department about whether releasing this could give away secrets that maybe we don't want foreign adversaries to know, or that might sort of jeopardize our relationship with foreign partners. Foreign partners might read this and say, gosh, do we really want to share intelligence with the U.S. when their Congress can just force them to sort of out information that that we gave them. So the Justice Department, before they had even read this thing, objected to its being released. They said, please don't do this. Let us read it. Since then, FBI Director Chris Wray has read the thing, and their position now is a little murky. Adam Schiff says that the FBI Director wanted to brief uh, members of the committee on the risks of releasing this thing, but the FBI Director and the Justice Department have not come out with a public statement since uh, the committee voted to release it. It's worth observing, again, in this uh, period of of, uh, bitter partisanship, that uh, the memo purports to be a, an indictment of the Obama um, uh, Justice Department, how they played fast and u- loose with FISA warrants, et cetera, et cetera, perhaps for political purposes. But the Trump Justice Department uh, is coming out fairly forcefully and saying, don't release it. 
Yeah, and that's frankly been a point of tension between the president and his Justice Department. So last week after the Justice Department sends this letter to Congress warning them, hey, do not release this thing without letting us look at it. That could have damaging uh, repercussions for national security. The president told his chief of staff, hey, call Jeff Sessions and get him on board. If this thing is good for me, then I want it out there. So there is kind of a tension point there. And I mean, even though the Justice Department is now staffed with a lot of Trump political appointees, it also has a lot of career people, career national security people who are apparently concerned about this. It is important to note that their concern came kind of before they had seen this thing. It came when this was just sort of a mystery document. They knew what the legislators had looked at. They knew the materials they had reviewed, but they didn't know exactly what it said. So their point was like, hey, pump the brakes. Let us look at this thing before you just go and show it to the public. Yeah, I know a lot of the um, uh, people on the right, I guess, be the best way to describe it, uh, the Trump crowd or whatever, uh, think this, you know, they're, they're trying to hide the fact that the Obama administration did some horrible things, and this memo will finally get the information out there. The, 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 the flaw with that seems to me, as you mentioned, there's, there's a number of Trump appointees in the Justice Department. You got Ray as the head of the FBI uh, that, that have seen this stuff, and, and I would think that they would be, be, be willing to come forward and say something if, if we had a real miscarriage of justice going on. Yeah, and that was one of the Justice Department's early points. It was like, look, if you think that this Justice Department is infected with bias and is corrupt and the FBI is corrupt, why don't you just tell us what's in the memo and we'll fix this? You've got your guys here now. You know, Jeff Sessions is a Trump guy. So show it to us. We'll go about fixing these problems and and rooting out the bias. I think, too, there is an open question about just how bad this thing is. So some very conservative Republicans in the House are saying, oh, this is sort of a smoking gun. This is so bad. This is going to you know, blow the lid on the FBI. But others are saying, look, this kind of raises some interesting questions, and it's certainly worth having out. But I don't know that it's everything that some of the far-right conservatives have, have promised. That's what Trey Gowdy's been saying. I've seen him on Fox saying you're, you're a lot of you, he, he said on Tucker Carlson's show the other night, a lot of your viewers are going to be disappointed when they see this. Yeah, which is interesting because I'm, I'm a Trey Gowdy guy. Man, Matt Zapatoski of the Washington Post is on the line. Uh, you know, Matt, it's probably worth observing. It's a frequent theme on this show that bureaucracies tend to protect themselves, even at the expense of their mission. And, and slowly over time, that syndrome gets even more and more severe, the iron law of bureaucracy. And there is a long history, and I say this as a friend of FBI agents, there is a long history of the FBI going way out of bounds and violating American civil liberties. And a free people ought to watch that like crazy so i you know there's a part of me that chris ray is in charge of the fbi now i'm not sure i want to take his word for whether you know we ought to be whistling fouls against the fbi right now Look, that's an exceedingly fair point, and I think in some ways the roles are reversed here. For a long time, it has been liberals, you know, decrying what they see as FBI abuses, FBI surveillance abuses, FBI infiltrating places that they shouldn't in a way that, that some liberals feel like upsets um, civil liberties concerns. So, you know, certainly it is fair. Like, should we, the public, just if Chris Ray says, hey, this could damage national security, say, okay, we trust him and that's that. It's a fair question. I mean, the FBI's history, frankly, is checkered, and maybe they shouldn't just be trusted on this. Yeah, I wish we could take a uh, a big picture 
big picture view of this whole thing and not make it about Trump or Obama, because I'm bothered by all the reports of how easily the FISA court will will rubber stamp any request to spy on Americans. And uh, and 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 this this could come out and, you know, make people question that whole process, not just relating to Obama or Trump. Yeah. You know, Glenn Greenwald has raised a lot of questions about this. Like, look, there are legitimate concerns here with the FISA process, with the FBI's ability to surveil. But I I think a a lot of people on the left would say, well, that very well might be true. But this is just kind of a partisan sideshow. This is meant to be an effort to kind of derail the Russia probe, to raise questions about the FBI so that Trump can point to that later as he you know, rejects the conclusions of the Mueller probe. And even if there are are legitimate surveillance abuses at times. This is not a genuine effort to expose those. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. And Matt, we understand you're pressed for time, so we'll wrap this up. But uh, the phrase uh, appears again and again. The Republicans are merely trying to discredit the probe. But, you know, if only somebody had discredited Enron, you know, before it went to hell or, you know, there are a dozen other examples. Sometimes things get too much credit and need to be discredited. So I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. It's going to be interesting to see it unfold. And we look forward to reading what you write about it, Matt. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Matt Zapatowski of the Washington Post writes about national security. Seriously, we'll have a link who to called, the article. Who called Joe exceedingly fair. Thank you. You know, that is my hallmark, exceeding fairness. There are broadcast reports that Joe Getty is exceedingly fair. Mm, well, I, I can't disagree with those reports. We'll have a link at armstrongandgettyradio.com so you can read the piece. It is remarkably even-handed. Now, some of you who see the world through an entirely partisan lens on one side or the other aren't going to like it, but I think it's pretty good. Pretty good. See, Makes points on both sides. I think it's going to... Uh, most people are going to look at it for, does this help my guy or not? Does this help Trump or does this help Obama? Right. I think it's going to make the whole FISA system look bad, and it's not going to get enough attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, as I mentioned earlier, Republicans were holding off on the whole release the memo until after the FISA system got reauthorized. Because everybody wants to keep that in place. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to spy on Americans if they want to for everybody. Right. Everybody seems to like that. Right. I get Which is that. what governments do. Well, yeah, yeah, but I, I also get that. I mean, if it's a useful tool that needs to be reformed, you'd repass it and then, you know, prosecute it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, we'll you don't want to eliminate it. You just want to reform it. We'll see if that ever happens. Well, yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm so torn on this, it's, and, and it's so so difficult to get an honest broker to... Well, plus uh, half of it's classified. I wonder if uh, Trump will uh, will approve it being released. It's it could be a clever a clever maneuver because um, Schiff says that. Well, you're going to look at this and you're going to think, "Oh my God, oh my God!" But you don't have the context. You, but we can't give you the context. Yeah, the, which, the committee's permitting them from bidding them from releasing "quote unquote" the context, which could be a dodge or could be the truth. Well, it'll get leaked the next day, uh, the next minute. Well, I hope I hope actually damaging stuff doesn't get leaked. Yeah, I mean damaging to the country, not to the president or Obama yeah. or whoever. I'll bet there's going to be a lot of in the eye of the beholder stuff too. Yep. The original of focus always. was on Carter Page. Turns out he was never prosecuted, never charged. It just kind of went away that he was working with the Ruskies. So was that a legitimate reason to then get a Pfizer warrant for everybody you talked to in the Trump campaign and everybody called anytime? I the beholder. 
So how does the whole guaranteed income thing work? There are a number of places in the world that are trying it. You guarantee you're poor a minimum income that's coming from the taxpayer, the rest of us who are working and supporting ourselves. We're paying a bunch of people that aren't working. But the idea is that with a guaranteed minimum income, they'll get their acts together. Right. How's it working in Kenya where they're trying it? Pretty damned interesting story. And before the His end of the hour. in Kenya. That's right, Mrs. Farmer, First Lady, lady. Uh, plus, before the end of the hour, an indictment of bureaucracy is so stunning. I will rest my case. Cool. Can't wait to hear that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As I sort of expected, I kind of took it on the chin from the textures about buying fancy rats for my kids that have papers. Actual registered papered rats. What's wrong with the rats in your barn, Jack? Hashtag 1%. Registered rats, hashtag one percenter. I'm getting beaten up for having fancy rats. I can't wait till I get them. I will post pictures. My kids are getting fancy rats. You know, I haven't asked what they cost. I was assuming they were really cheap. They better have been. Do they come with the ascot, or do you have to put that on them after? <laughs> I hope they were cheap. I haven't, I'll have to text my wife. What did those rats cost? Um, but anyway, we just posted to our website a video that's been making the rounds recently, I guess, of a rat taking a shower, it would appear. Yes. Wow. It's no pizza it's, rat, but it's... It's charming. Shocking. It's standing on its back legs like a person, and it's like washing its pits with soap and water. It's getting real good lather. Real good. It's weird. Do we still have that George Bush clip, Michael? It's troubling. Human-animal hybrids. Yeah, it's it's a little troubling. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Shocking. We might have to have Charles Murray back on the I should turn my microphone on when I don't. We might have to have Charles Murray back on the show for like a full half hour, maybe 45 minutes. He's a libertarian, and he is no uh, dewy-eyed softy when it comes to structuring societies. Mm. And he's an advocate, he thinks, of guaranteed minimum income. And he explains, he's got a whole book out about it. Uh, He explains how he thinks it would strengthen society, it would make families want to stay together, uh... He believes that people would uh, would would actually work more and pull themselves up beyond that and not need it anymore. Blah blah blah. Um, that's his theory. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've found his writing on it pretty compelling. Me too. And listen, in a vacuum, uh, guaranteed income sounds like a terrible idea. Oh yeah, it sounds like the sort of thing a person like me hates more than anything. Sure. So I go to work every day. You're going to take my money and give it to people who do nothing, and they're guaranteed to get that. So now they can do it the rest of their lives. While I have to go to work every day for the rest of my life because my taxes are so freaking high. But unlike dust mites, we don't live in a vacuum. You see what I did there? Oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we live in a mind-bogglingly complex and an expensive, uh, tangled web of government programs that frequently encourage awful behavior. Yeah, often left out of the Charles Murray discussion of guaranteed uh, income is you're doing away with all this other stuff. Right. All this other social safety net stuff is going away, Mm -hmm. and then it's the guaranteed income. So uh, you you do a lot of the math on the redundant, overlapping, wasted programs, 
and it's um, not near as expensive as it might sound. You're exceedingly fair. I, that's what I would yeah, say. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say. But they've been trying it in Kenya for 12 years. Hmm. Thousands of people in Kenya have been getting a basic income for 12 years, an experiment that could redefine social welfare around the world. Have they already done 12 years? or in no, the, no, They're it, in the midst of yes, a 12-year, yes. Can you dig it? They're in the midst of a 12-year uh, thing. I believe it's only been going on for a couple of years now. My six-year-old has this thing he does after he takes a bath. He comes running out into the living room naked. Of course. Dances around and says, Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? Can you see my privates? Can you, can you? <laughs> that uh, will be on the Grammys next year. <laughs> Reflecting the ribald entertainment of our time. Uh, anyway, so back to Kenya. Gotta have Nicki Minaj do that. Back to Kenya, the country, not can you slur slang kenya um say kenya makes uh, you sound sophisticated over a year since the study was launched give directly afghanistan i'll start uh (laughs) give directly which is the organization that is trying this has anecdotal evidence that universal basic income is reducing poverty and that some of the biggest concerns about giving people free money are unfounded and while critics contend that basic income encourages people to form bad habits, people in Give Directly Village more often rebuild their roofs, pay for their kids' education, then quit work and let their let their lives waste away. Van, not then. Van. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Well, yeah. That'd be. <laughs> they rebuild the roofs, then they waste their lives. Right. No. no. They rebuild the roof. They'd rather do that than. Okay. So there's a couple of psychological things going on here, and whether you buy it or not, I don't know. The idea that is, if you're so poor and the idea that you're ever going to have any money seems so far-fetched and crazy that you just don't you don't plan you don't care you spend your money poorly if you know that you can get out of this hole someday all of a sudden still with meager amounts you're more careful Mm -hmm. and that psychologically makes sense to me because i can remember when i was poor i just never felt like i was ever going to have any money so i didn't worry that much about a lot of things that would be smart to do because mm-hmm. i just i didn't I thought, what what the hell i'm screwed right um and we are and we're out of time unfortunately i didn't even get to the best part we got to save the best part coming up oh so yeah good. coming up in a moment or two well okay i don't want to steal your thunder in case the best part is what i'm thinking the old uh, welfare clap the old uh no huh okay <laughs> Because there are a lot of disincentives for people getting ahead because it will cut their benefits. Yeah, there's that, too. Yeah, there's that, that, that too. will end. I don't know if they'll be able to afford fancy rats, but they'll have a little more money. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Got a lot of questions swirling about the FBI deputy director's sudden resignation, Hillary's former campaign manager on Clinton's refusal to fire the alleged pervy staffer, and quarterback Tom Brady standing up to a radio host's nasty comments about his daughter. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. More on this study of the guaranteed income. They've got an example of one guy who does what I probably would have done. (laughs) That's pretty entertaining. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So more on this experiment in guaranteed income coming up. I mean, it it goes against everything I believe. But if it works, it works. And one of my favorite libertarians believes in it. So that's that's what makes me give it a chance. I mean, handing people money and thinking they're going to do better with their lives doesn't make sense to me. 
But it is more complicated than that. Anyway, stay tuned. Right now, the news with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump has been quiet on Twitter as he gets ready for his State of the Union address tonight. Again, that's going to be 6 p.m. West Coast. Some observers, though, are wondering if you will maintain Twitter silence after the speech. Have to wait and see. Who's, of, who's doing the response? There are five different ones. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that whole thing's dumb, as I've been saying since 6 o'clock right, this what morning. Are the Kennedys? The State of the Union Bernie address... Bernie Sanders is giving one of them! The State of the Union address is way overrated, and just not that big a deal. And uh, a lot of it is the pageantry that is because we kind of like the idea of having a king, which troubles me a lot. And then the response is even stupider. And now they're going to have five different responses? Six. I'm doing one. Well, there's nothing stopping anybody from doing a response. Go ahead. A lot of questions swirling around FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe's abrupt resignation ahead of his planned retirement in March. The uh, 22-year-old, or 22-year, rather, FBI veteran is going to retire with his full pension. He's been a frequent target of President Trump's, who's accused him of bias because of his wife's past failed run for the state senate in Virginia. That got a lot of contributions from the political action uh, committee of close allies of the Clintons. <clears throat> and Trump angry because no charges were brought against Clinton in the FBI investigation. And Lock her use- up! Lock her up! Into her use of a private email server. Now, (laughs) after McCabe resigned, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders came out insisting the White House had no role in his departure and refers questions about it, well, to the FBI. Uh, Look, we've uh, seen the numerous reports, as all of you have, and any specifics, I can tell you none of this decision was made by that of the White House, and any specifics, I would refer you to the FBI. There you go. That should clear that up. Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign manager confirming that Mrs. Clinton would not listen to her when she wanted to fire senior advisor uh, Burns Strider, who had been accused of sexual harassment. Patty Solis Doyle telling C- uh, CNN. And my recommendation to uh, the senator uh, was to fire her. And I was overruled. Well, a woman was eventually moved out of the office where she'd been working with Strider. Mrs. Clinton's faith advisor was punished by having his pay docked for several weeks. Doyle adding, Look, people are complicated, and Hillary is no exception. And she definitely made the wrong call here. Apparently so, because a number of claims about his behavior at that time have surfaced since. For his part, Strider has said he remembers all these things differently. Yeah, well, um, there's an op-ed piece in the... um Washington Post today, hashtag me too meets hashtag so what. Uh, woman Ruth Marcus, who writes for the Washington Post, blasting Hillary Clinton. Not as much for what happened in 2008. Right. She said she wouldn't even have written a column about that because it was a different time and you don't know what happened eight years ago and blah, blah, blah. Might not have written a column. It was Hillary's response of, I'm just happy to see that strong women raise their voices yeah. and always should, which was, it, it, she didn't even a, attempt a denial. Right. I mean, it was just so Clintonian, mm-hmm. just blowing past the subject and pretending we're all too stupid to, to understand what you're doing here. And uh, so this Ruth Marcos wrote an article just how dis- she said it made her head explode when she saw Hillary's <laughs> response to that. It was perhaps the most Clintonian Clintonism ever. Yeah. Hillary is a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. most Americans yes. Yes. get that, which is why she lost to Donald Trump. She's a bad human being. And that gets overlooked in the discussion a lot. She's not a good person. Well, she's visibly, audibly, and I'm told if you get closer to her, smellably evil. 
You can smell the evil leeching out of her. Mika Brzezinski, who is a Hillary Clinton voter, killed Hillary over this this morning on MSNBC. Really? I mean, that was just a a more tone-deaf response in the middle of the hashtag MeToo movement you could not have. I mean, it was as if Harvey Weinstein crafted the response. Well, he may have. They're buds. That's true. Tom Brady is ready, he says, to move on after a Boston radio host insulted his five-year-old daughter last week. Brady's saying he's very disappointed when he heard that Alex uh, Reimer called his daughter an annoying little pissant in reference to the Tom vs. Time documentary. I just think any parent is really protective of their kids. And, um, you know, I've never stayed away from criticism. I understand that. You know, criticism is part of sports, but I, I certainly don't think that, you know, you know, my children or any other children, you know, really deserve to be in that. Well, here, here. So uh, he found out about what was said and um, he was doing his weekly call into the morning show and he cut it short. He said, I'm out. I'm not going to have my I got to reassess my relationship with you people. Right. Which is fair enough. Then he came out and said at media day, do we have this tape? Or I've got it, the... It, I, oh, go ahead. We're talking about the... Yeah, the got here. Hang on. There we go. I didn't hear much, you know, about it. But I didn't I didn't get into it too much. I just said I certainly hope the guy's not fired. That's... I would, I would hate for that to happen. Wow. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's a very... That is a gentlemanly, gentlewomanly yep. thing to say. Look, it sucked and that's, I'm mad and he ought to get spanked, but let's not take away somebody's living. He doesn't understand the way the world works. You need to demand the guy's firing. Yeah, I Start guess. a petition. Get oh, a hashtag absolutely. Well, you got to go after the advertisers of mm-hmm. the show and yep. get that guy fired. Because you disagreed, right? That's the only proper action. So listen, I I heard this guy's screed and I saw a picture of him. He's like a 12-year-old. I mean, he, he's a really young guy. He's trying to make his bones and sure. sports radio being really forceful and really controversial. I mean, you can't turn him off because you don't know what he'll say next. And he's just so self-consciously trying to be that guy. And I'm guessing not a parent. Oh, he can't be. Going after a five-year-old, please, No parent would ever say that. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. You know, if Tom Brady were not a famously fit professional athlete, I'd say, listen, give him one shot at the guy. Oh, jeez. Let's settle it the old-fashioned way. What, I see you blanching over there. I see you cringing over there, Mr. Modern Man. Let him settle it the old-fashioned way. I was just looking at the stats here today. If I ever, for some reason, a picture, if I met Tom Brady, we'd be about the same size because right. the way he looks on TV. Yeah. He would be the, like the biggest person you've ever seen. Right. Practically, if you ever met him. <laughs> He's just surrounded by behemoths. Anyway, uh, more on the guaranteed income thing. It's pretty interesting in how one guy handled his guaranteed income bred the way I would have. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What's up? Yeah, I'm really, uh, really taking a beating over buying fancy rats on the text line. I just fed my snake a rat. Maybe next time I'll put a little parsley leaf on it to make it a fancy rat. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
cruelty toward the rat, then toward you. That's mm-hmm. a cruel, cruel soul. Absolutely. So we're probably not going to squeeze in the uh, the stunning indictment of bureaucracies I promised, perhaps during the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show. And we just actually were given an award. Yeah, somebody sent us an award because we've been mocking the idea. Well, that we, you've been mocking. We called it the award-winning fourth hour, and we'd never actually received an award for the fourth hour. There's a trophy with a goat atop it. It says, that's oh. Ar- a golden goat. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Armstrong and Getty, best fourth hour of radio, third place, regional. <laughs> Which is pretty damn funny. Thank you so much, sir. And I have it on pretty good knowledge that the first two place recipients, illegal drug usage. <laughs> oh, my P.E.D. Um, so uh, my knee-jerk reaction to this idea is horrifying. I've been saying um, worker starve for, for many, many years. <laughs> In Jack Armstrong's America, you're on your own. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Oh, my. I think that'd be a great idea. The cruelty. If you're physically and mentally capable of taking your, care of yourself. Sure. Always, always with that caveat, but that should be understood by any sane person. Um, and we got some texts on this whole guaranteed income thing. Yeah, no, we had a, we had a good system for this for, uh, for thousands of years for human beings. You either figured out how to feed yourself or you starved. That was your incentive. But there is some belief around the world by some economists, including like libertarian conservative types, that if you have a guaranteed income for everyone, uh, the, the poorest people will start to get their act together. They'll be more likely to stay together as families. You actually can, uh, and, Eliminate a lot of your other programs that aren't accomplishing anything. And also, they weave a web of dependency, and, and, and it's, well, it's literally, it's like a spider's web. It's impossible to escape from. Um, or at least exceedingly difficult. For the record, I've gone from hating this idea to really liking it, with, uh, with one caveat. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, the caveat, as a number of people have pointed out, as I've announced my embrace of it, is that do you really think all those other uh, welfare programs that buy votes will actually go away? Right. And I'm uh, caught flat-footed. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, my own cynicism being thrown back at me. So I'll hit you with this one just because it's so funny right off the bat. Destructive spending is rare, but it does happen. This is people who get their guaranteed income and do not handle it well. Yes. Which they, it's no fixing stupid. Which, according according to... Uh, their their stats on this after doing it in Kenya for a while, most people are doing good stuff with their money. Um, Agrippa uh, Crispo, I'll just call him Crispo, 40, pulled out his cell phone and quickly tapped a few buttons. We were sitting outside Crispo's mother's house in late November. He's 40, living with his mom, uh, under the merciful shade of a tree. He wore a yellow soccer jersey, one sneaker, and no socks. After a few moments, Crispo opened up M-Pesa, the app that he and every villager and millions of people in about a dozen countries use for mobile banking. Once a month, give directly. That's the program that's giving this guaranteed income as an experiment to people. Wires the equivalent of about $22 into their accounts. That shows you how poor these people. $22 a month is their guaranteed income. And a lot of people are, oh my God, I'm saved. Yeah, well, that's yeah, living that's expenses. Doubling people's annual income for a lot of these people. Which is amazing. Yeah. Recipients then walk seven minutes down a highway to a local stand where the teller takes a small fee and gives out the remaining payment as cash. Crispo has used his recent payments to rebuild parts of his house, record a CD, and gamble on sporting events. Oh. He said he treats the gambling as kind of an investment strategy. A way like to, Marshall. <laughs> a way to quickly turn $10 into $50, which he says he can then use on more sensible purchases like food and clothes. Like turning $50 into $200. <laughs> like turning $200 into no dollars. <laughs> so do your gambling. You idiot. Do your gambling first, then use some of that extra money on food and clothes. Right. 
Seems perfectly reasonable. I can't use the money on food and clothes and then have extra money for gambling. <laughs> I'm going to have this guy uh, do my financial planning for me. <laughs> gambling also helps Crispo recoup losses he recently incurred from recording his CD, he said. Mm. After Crispo completed the album, his recording partner disappeared with the money that was supposed to go toward making copies to sell. Damn it. <laughs> For my next project, I'm going to be more careful, Crispo said. I'm not going to make the same mistake because I think about that money that I put into my production and now I can't get it back. I feel very angry. So, yeah, he and, lost some money, but he bought a lesson. And <laughs> apparently he bought a shoe as he's sitting around wearing one shoe. <laughs> he recorded an album there, there in the middle of a village where the average yearly income is $10. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a hip-hop star. <laughs> I like your album. I can't afford to buy it. <laughs> you could be Jay-Z reincarnated, but I can't afford to buy your album. Yeah. Or I or have a stereo to play it on. So uh, that's where I that's where I'm really lacking. I can't afford your CD or any way to <laughs> anything to play it on, and I don't have electricity. Or batteries. But have you heard his track? <laughs> I wish I had another shoe. It's really good. <laughs> Anywho, when an organization or governing body doles out free cash, it does so with the understanding that some percentage of people will spend the money on risky pursuits like gambling and recording music instead of basic needs. Advocates often claim this is an upside to basic income since people can pursue creative projects instead of toiling away at a day job. Please. I think that's a bunch of crap. Fantasy land. Destructive spending is rare, they say. And this happens, which is interesting. I don't know why it doesn't happen already in society, but it happens when you got the guaranteed income, it would seem. That the people there in the village, if that guy's not go- got any money, they just say, F you, dude, you get as much money as I do and you spend it on gambling and recording an album. That's right. your problem. Right. That's kind of where I am already on a lot of this. Mm-hmm. You you have a you have a car you have a nice car and a big screen TV and now you're broke. Ah, that's your problem. Right. Um but so that can happen at the very lowest level with the guaranteed income. And it's not hard to believe. Sure. Reshapes the culture of poverty. Sure reintroduces the idea of responsibility and no longer makes you dependent on begging the government and applying for programs and 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 uh and um crafting your life to to fit the requirements of government programs often in ways that are worse for your life for instance splitting up with your baby mama because you get more benefits if you're apart yeah charles charles murray's uh, plan um has a lot of incentives for people to stay together as couples and that sort of thing, you don't, and it's it's complicated. We should have him explain it. But it made mm-hmm. sense to me, so he thinks it would strengthen the American family. Um, anecdotal evidence uh, to some of this data. A 2016 World Bank researchers, they came up with this thing. Um, they found that the consumption of alcohol and cigarettes, called temptation goods, stayed flat. And in some cases, it actually decreased when people in underdeveloped nations received cash in a model akin to basic income. As they told Business Insider recently, this was not the expected outcome. In many economic models, alcohol is an indulgent people tend to consume more as their income grows. Mm -hmm. They discovered two key mechanisms at play. The first was that money was often distributed to the women of the household, which led to greater spending on food and school fees than if men received it. When men received the money, they were more likely to spend it on temptation goods like alcohol and cigarettes. That's interesting. In addition, they discovered a positive labeling effect effect each transfer came with the verbal label that the money was intended for household needs 
There was no threat of punishment. Recipients were merely told, this money is to improve the lives of your children. This money is to help your business. If you tell people money is for a certain thing, they're much more likely to spend the money on that one thing. Wow, how interesting. Yeah, I mean, it seems like who would be stupid enough to fall for that, but apparently that's the way we're built. I don't know. I don't know. I I want to do more reading on it. Yeah, it runs counter to everything, I believe. I, I do like that at the very lowest level of people saying, hey, you know, if you can't get your act together now, I don't know what to do for you. Right, right. And I think that's perfectly fair. Uh, I, it will diminish the power of politicians to buy votes. It will diminish their power to have never-ending issues that motivate people to go to the polls. And so I suspect it will be very unpopular among the people who claim most loudly to be compassionate toward the poor because they will lose their hook. Ooh, that'd be interesting. In fact, I can practically guarantee that, which is sad. Yeah. We've made you sad. So I recorded a CD and did a little gambling. I thought the Washington Generals were due. (laughs) How many games can they lose in a row? Recorded a CD with a guy who then ran off with the money. The title is Damn, It's Hot in Africa. (laughs) I think you'll like it. Stay with us. The award-winning fourth hour coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show for some of you. Thank you.